Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Sheffield Digital Podcast. I'm Ian Broom and I'm joined by directors Mel Kennerick and Chris Diamond. Hello. Hello. In part two, we'll be picking the bones of last week's AGM slash World Cup Bonanza, as well as all the latest comings and goings in Sheffield's digital sector, as always. Uh, But before all that, we're having a good old chat with Chris Roberts, founder and CEO of Nimble Approach. Hi, everyone. Welcome. Hi, Chris. Um, We'd we'd like to start with a bit of background. Could you give us your potted history? (laughs) Yes, sure. Just myself as a character generally or work or a bit of everything all of it all of it um, <laughs> and your best oh username God. now sort of thinking of johnny <laughs> conquers type stories but um <laughs> that may make sense to everyone if you share that um you, you, have, to, I, you have to listen to the uh, facebook live stream to find out what that's about Sorry. hi everyone um yeah i'm chris roberts so i uh, i've had a background in uh, music um quite a bit that's a big passion of mine uh, playing guitar um took it quite seriously for a while got within a a close distance of getting somewhere with it but had a lot of good fun along the way um and then about 10 11 years ago uh i first met this man who's diagonal to me chris diamond um when i was just starting out my technology career um so through that time i've been doing uh, project management initially and then took a lot more interest as well as um, project management and project delivery of organizational culture change, uh, positive impacts in empowering people, um, and also how we deliver value quickly. Um, that has then led on to me forming my own business, uh, which I did uh, round about two years ago now. Tell mm-hmm. us more. So what, tell us more about Nimble Approach. Okay, yeah, so the... Um, the idea sort of came to me, I'd, I'd created this brand a lot longer than that, but just as a freelancer. And the idea came to me, um, I was lucky enough to be asked to head up and lead uh, a digital hub for Sheffield at the home office, um, which was late 2015, early 2016. Um, and for that, because of lead times of recruiting the permanent civil servants, permanent rather, civil servants, we need uh, to get in and help um, add value and start uh, delivering services, um, we needed to um, reach out to a, a contract market essentially. And my instinct was being a, a Sheffield guy, a lot of connections and great people I've worked with over the last sort of 10 years, um, just to start pulling on people I really rated, whether they were friends, colleagues, you know, just people I'd had a short stint of time working with and really respected for what they did. Mm-hmm. Um, and that helped us. Um, hit the ground really quickly and get some really good talent in there, which was one of the big reasons why we were then able to really make a success of that hub. Um, And so I just had the idea of um, using my network and and forming a collective, um, you know, which is nimble approach of um, really good coaching, delivery. So you say collective, it's more of a collective than a company. I guess you have some permanent people and then a network of trusted professionals yes. that you work with as well correct and and i think we sort of hit on that term um because nimble is also quite an independent thing for me and it's it's a reason why i've done it having worked for maybe some bigger consultancies um i don't want to at all you know dilute my values and i think we've hit on collective because i have consultancy in my head as quite a corporate thing, um, you know, rightly or wrongly, that's what it means to me. I think collective, yeah, we've we've blended, started to take on some 
permanent staff now at the right time, um, but blended that with trusted contractors as well. How do your customers respond to that different kind of model? Because customers understand consultancy and how that works, and you're bringing them something slightly different. So does that take a little bit of explaining? Um, It takes explaining. It is normally something that people do understand when I contextualise it. if we have the fallback, we might just say, think of a consultancy. But I, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you just can't get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think as well, um, the, the contract thing still works very much in our favour. So for some clients who we've got quite trusting relationships with now, we're more a collaboration partner. We're more their 12th man, you know, for if they, you know, like every company we've probably all ever worked for, you've got a th- list of things or portfolio you want to deliver and there's always some burning thing on the left you can't quite get to. Um, we created this pop-up squad model to help um, companies be like a go-to person for additional support, whether that's co-locating or we've just, you know, opened an office in the city ourselves now. Um, that That's quite the benefit of it. There is some permanent people there, uh, but also we've got this sort of short stint we can help you get a get a thing from an idea to a live thing you can start using with people. And whether that's IT or non-IT, actually, um, it's quite flexible. Does um, some of that effort come from your time in a band, you know, as a performer and, you know, having a collective of musicians that you work with to produce? I think so, yeah. I think there's, there is some of that and there's some of the... Um, I know it's used a lot as a funky tech word now, but the whole, you know, a jam to me was, you know, you're trying to yeah, play yeah. some some new thing, some new riff or song, and there's a bit of a melting pot of people with different talents. Um, so that that's something that still sort of resonates in my head, um, but we use in a different way in the industry we're in now, which is where we'll, we hold like internal surgery sessions where people with different skills will come and bring a problem and bounce off the collective of all these wonderful experiences and people looking at problems from different angles. Yeah. You're going to get a different thing depending on, you can say you can tweak the mix of people to get different kinds of outcome or different. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's another thing I feel quite strongly about, you know, in my time, you know, not drawing into it too much. um, But I've seen like blanket things being rolled out at different places and, and everywhere is a custom thing. Mm. Even, you know, organizations in the same sector, sometimes even teams and departments within organizations, they've all should be treated like an individual. And that just means being able to go in and assess where something is or a problem, something they need help with, but treat them as that individual, do a bit of a diagnostic of, you know, where they are. Um, so that's that's something we feel strongly about. We don't just have these set team profiles because it's just too generic and you, you don't get enough out of it. And if I don't, I'd value myself. I'm quite demotivated, so that's quite a good temperature gauge, you know. Mm. Are the other 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 people all um, like freelancers? Um, majority of it, yeah. So we're we're saying we've we've started to look at and and, and take on um, permanent staff more. Um, we used we used freelance heavy quite initially because I was um, I was also you know living and breathing this and doing a, a billable on site role myself. Um, so. It, it helped us to grow quickly when the need came um, without sort of much much sort of risk, really. I didn't want to start to play those sort of games and take a load of permanent people on when there's a risk and we've not got enough business, you know. But yeah. now we've got that confidence 
certainly a thing we're looking at more. And have you pulled those people from the digital community in Sheffield or just from wider contacts? Um, majority of people, yeah, from from this digital community. I think it's it's wonderful in Sheffield. You know, we do a lot of work in, say, Leeds as well, you might know. But the thing about Sheffield still to me is that it's so easy to to connect people. It feels, whilst it's a massive city, if you take a step back in, in one sense, there's quite a, a small little nucleus and, you know, the stuff you guys are doing has been brilliant to just try and connect that a little bit more. It's, it's how I've also helped grow my business. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of ex-technophobes in the city still doing lots of different things. Yeah, I mean, so. like, I, I don't know, like, how you feel about it. Like, probably, I'm guessing, like yourself, I feel very humble and lucky to have had that experience because it was such a phenomenal company with a, a really great ethos to work for. I remember rocking up at Technophobia in 2008, I think it was, and thinking it was so relaxed and, and chilled out and you were like, how do these people ever get anything done? And it, and it took a while for me to like observe and, and figure it out that there were people who were really passionate about what they, they did. But you know they weren't being like you know driven with the whole rule with an iron fist approach, and that did pay off, and that sort of sowed the seeds when we started looking at culture change and technophobia mm. quite a long time ago. Mm. Yes, yes, we did. Because <laughs> <laughs> we've we've talked about it before how so much of the current tech scene in Sheffield was somehow <laughs> born out of technophobia yeah. one way or another, and then the next question you ask is, well, where's our next technophobia? Where's that next um, batch of people going to come from who will have had the experience of working in that kind of successful business yeah. and can take what they learned and and use it to go up and set, set out on their own and find their own direction and follow their own passions? And it's there isn't any one organization that immediately leaps to mind at the moment if you're out there and you think that's you <laughs> then we'd love to know and and talk to you about that yeah. I, I say similar sorts of things about uh, the workshop a different yeah. different kind okay. of agency yeah. but yeah. it was a big and big agency well. that that shrank yeah to, yes to, to to an extent and um and uh and it's only later on that i kind of appreciate that similar sort of thing the values and uh and the kind of culture of a place, how much it kind of just seeps into you, especially when you're younger. Thing. I was going to say that's the other the other feature of it. I mean, obviously everybody's everybody's worked at Plusnet at some time or another. It's the other thing in, yeah. in the city, but yeah. you know, um, you know, Sheffield basically spat a lot of talent back out into the ecosystem. I think that's why it's had a big effect. Mm. Um, so I think there's like 11, 12 companies that have been formed yeah. by ex-technophobia people yeah. uh, in the city. So, but taking it back, I guess now if you're looking at that next breed of who does that you're then looking at individuals like i know you were probably chat about it in the show at some point the apprenticeship type stuff and you know connecting them with with maybe people who've got that sort of mindset as well in the city so that you get individuals that grow from that earlier age Mm. who are looking for that as well and are a bit more selective to this is the type of employer i want i think that's a really interesting angle because instead of waiting for someone to have gone through one or two employers and finally settle in the place where they get, you know, that that real background and training and inspiration. Yeah. If you can feed it in when they're still in education and when and make sure that the, the companies that they go and do apprenticeships in are giving them some of that, then you're almost breeding it into the DNA even earlier on, aren't you? Yeah, and giving them the, the skills and a bit more confidence to 
ask probing questions and to to challenge a little bit more and to make maybe even make the employers think and be like step back and like wow yeah we we are really missing something here mm. and we benefit from someone with that mindset yeah so how do you see the company growing or or what well growth in in that sort of model probably looks different to what we would traditionally think about yeah i think i think it does i think the the mindset i've had to grow in it operationally so far has been by following a lot of the principles and practices of the advice i would give a client on site whether that's you know something more on the lean side of we'll we'll scale our operational team um just in time we'll know where we're going next and what we could do but things like we've wanted an office for a long time but we've not because we do so much co-located work we've not just got an office and, and had that space you know for the the sake of it and then subconsciously or not you know somewhere along the line that cost would get passed on and stuff like that so it's we've waited for the right opportunity to open office it's something we're quite passionate about where a client wants us to deliver something off-site. Our instinct is always to co-locate because we're trying to also, while we deliver, get people who can transfer knowledge and upskill as well. So you get a bit of like a two-for-one hit there, really, of mm. like a, somebody who's really great at delivery, but also a role model, you know, for that area or discipline as well. Cool. So um, talk a little bit about some of the other um, cultural things that you've instituted at, at Nimble. Because you've got an, you've got a couple of kind of other agendas, kind of that are tangential to the business, but kind of oblique in supporting what you're doing. Yeah, sure. So I think um, there's a there's a couple of things that spring to mind. So I think being a freelancer myself um, and doing a lot of roles within this region in say like the last five years, um, which is when I sort of started freelancing. Um, the area of where we work in, which you know, is largely IT or tech delivery coaching or training, stripping any labels away. Uh, but we do a lot of stuff in the agile space, which is an organizational-wide thing now. It's not just a, a technology thing. And and I think I found a lot myself and was a bit sort of disheartened by is that not a lot of people, um, particularly recruiters, had understood um, a lot of these roles and what it meant and therefore everyone had a bit of a bad time really like the organization um who was recruiting probably might not spell out 100 percent of what what they want or recruiters wouldn't feel like they could challenge buzzwords they'd get candidates maybe that were placed into roles they weren't right for they'd not be a great fit for the organization the candidate maybe felt a disservice you know even the recruiter with their model wouldn't benefit for it so we've we started a pilot of doing this um uh, inspired by one of my friends who had seen do it and ch chatted about doing it in London um, but we'd done it we brought this Agile for Recruiters so we started a hashtag of Agile for Recruiters and doing this um, up north and we we did a pilot um, with a recruiter in, in Leeds but off the back of that we were very keen to bring it to, to Sheffield and we've some of the posts we got I've been putting on there trying to canvas you know is there an appetite who would be interested we, you know we've got We've got like a, a backlog now of recruiters who are really <laughs> that we, you know, will struggle or find, you know, we'll have to try and figure out a way how we service. But we're, we're starting um, starting next week with uh, a local independent recruitment company called Effecto, mm -hmm. um, who have shown a real small independent, real appetite to 
use this and help them learn. Mm. Um, not only about how they can give candidates and their on the local organisations a better service, but also they. I, I believe a lot in some of the agile. Uh, principles for like non-IT as well mm -hmm. um, and, and ways that they can make cultural change and spot bottlenecks improve the way they work within their own organization so it's got a bit of a twofold benefit so that's one thing um, another one is just quite close to my heart in terms of beliefs because um, everyone tends to say now it's become a bit of a cliche to say that they are like people driven but when I'd sort of worked for bigger consultancies I'd sort of whilst it might have been a strap line I'd never you know really seen that played out and the thing that we do when we bring people on board is we we really make an effort to make them aware that anything to do with health well-being um you know work-life balance any issues they might be having at work we we make sure they you know they have got somebody who will provide to be able to talk to obviously very confidentially mm -hmm. and, and discretionary, but I think it's important that, because I've been in contracts myself as well, that uh, I've not liked at times and have mentally given me, you know, a difficult time, especially mm -hmm. as well, you know, some people like myself had worked away from home, my families. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's a very important topic and I think it's, it's great as well just to see wider in locally, Twitter, what, whatever, just that, uh, things like mental health um mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot more like comfort in being expressive about it now and it you know it's almost making us think why why should it ever have been some like undercover secret people talking about it out loud anyway yeah yeah it's really interesting because there's you know some professions it's 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 a requirement it's mandatory you yeah. know in the in the counseling and, and therapy professions you know my wife's a play therapist and she has she has monthly supervision so she has a professional supervisor that she has a Skype call with, you know, once a month um, for at least an hour um, just to unload stuff, just to talk through, did I do the right thing in this situation? Obviously, the clients that she works with um, uh, are, you know, children and young people who are going through a rough time or suffering from the effects of trauma. Sure. Um, and it can be quite distressing. Um, and... You know, there's there's you know there's lots of stresses and but to have a professional who is you 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 know not just there for you to talk to when you need them but it's it's a mandatory part of you holding your license to operate that you you have to demonstrate that you do supervision with them once a month. Um, I think that can apply in the business world as well, especially on contracts like you say where you're a bit, you know, you're. Um, you're cut loose a little bit, you know, you're in a, you're in a, someone else's environment. You're away from your family a lot of the time. You're, you're away from your support network and the company that employs you sometimes. Um, yeah. You might be doing delivery stuff that's got deadlines or you're trying to change a culture and, you know, yeah. I've, I've had plenty of cold shoulders, you know, when uh, you yeah. sort of rocked up and it's hard to keep the faith. Tried to be the person. Yeah. Who, who does that? So I think just as a matter of course, we'll always do like, health checks which is where we will do a one-to-one -one sort of um just check in really that bit of a chat but then there's also the it's not a thing certainly we can or would make mandatory but it's like just making sure it's very clear you've got someone to talk to um here are the details you know to call on when needed yeah um and, and i'm quite lucky as well i've got a, a partner who's had a you know a background um in sort of like mental health and that side of things as right. well so it's helped educate me a bit more yeah you know, which i'm grateful for 
I think it's really interesting because when you look at a, a job opportunity and you look at the benefits and usually in there there's something about you know a healthcare plan and yes. maybe dental and maybe even you know glasses and things like that but there's it's it's never explicitly stated that there's something there to support you in your mental and emotional health as well as your physical yeah. health and it's, it, it's not something a shoulder rub once a month is going to take care of really no not really <laughs> Or going out for beers on a Friday, um, and I, I think it's it's excellent that we're talking about it a lot more, you know, in society in general and in our industry. Um, it needs to be you need to be able to get to the point where you can just as easily say, "I'm going to be late in tomorrow because I've got a doctor's appointment." You can say, "I'm going to be late in tomorrow because I have a counselling session." I am. Um, I, I often see the the bullet points in in terms of. Sometimes it's in like almost like as if it's a perk of a job where they say, uh, work hard, play hard culture. Yeah. Oh. And I kind of think, well, that sounds yeah. good. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Are you a doer? Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, we could get into a, a big, long discussion about. We do. You know, I, I bring up job descriptions. It's <laughs> my new thing, isn't it? <laughs> I'm not even looking for a job. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the, the messages that that gives out, you know, everything that says about your company straight away and, and what that says about our industry. It, it says to me, we expect too much of you, but it's okay because we all go for a beer at the end of the week. Yeah. <laughs> it, it goes back to the expectations. And we, and we, and we have a pool table. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, you know, pool tables and shiatsu and, and, you know, going out for drinks, those are, these are all great things. I mean, you know, um, but it, but it, it does go back to what, to how you motivate, like what, what is, you know, what is the culture you're trying to create within your organization? Are you trying to create an organization where, where people, you know, feel obliged to go the extra mile because so much depends on it? Um, or people who, um, want to go the extra mile because, you know, they, they, they've invested in it and, and it's a, you know, it's a different thing. Absolutely, and I think if um, there's there's a difference, isn't there, between like I think if people are motivated, um, sometimes if they work a eight nine hour day or a fourteen one, I mean, there's also a lot of studies, aren't there, around there's a certain point where you hit a brick wall anyway, yeah. and that yeah. You, yeah. You, there's no benefit. You're better sure. off not being exhausted, having a better life balance, um, and still probably getting the same done anyway. So it's I think it's a little bit of a that myth around that going the extra mile if you just hire people who really enjoy what they do they're motivated they know you're you've got a challenging assignment shall we say um for them that's a positive thing they're going to give their everything but it, it it doesn't mean let's like use going the extra mile as like a euphemism for just flogging yourself to death type thing as well you know yeah, yeah. i'd be really interested to know like of the the larger employers that we have in the city whether they have anything in place. Mm. Not not to point fingers or anything like that, but genuinely just interested, you know, do you, you know, are there listeners out there who work for some of the larger employers, whether they're uh, digital companies or companies that do digital, mm -hmm. um, if you get the distinction. Yeah, is it part of the package? Yeah, is, is this something that's built in? Is it something that's being talked about more openly in your organisation? It'd be really interesting to know. Yeah, I... I I, th you, I think it was part of Westfield's package as well. I think they, the counselling is part of Westfield's oh. benefits package that they oh, provide yeah. for companies. So, 
Um, I know lots of lots of employers in Sheffield are obviously on Westfield's yeah. programs. Um, Interesting. Um, should we ask you a bit about um, what you're what you're currently doing in Sheffield? You said that you've done um, that you've done a, a bit of work in a bit of work in Leeds. Uh, what about Sheffield, and, and maybe how do you see things with the community having been like a the person who set up Agile Sheffield? Is that right? Yeah, sure. So, so, so yeah, have you seen things change, or how's it going? Mass- massively, so I think on the last, like if I think back to say th- three years ago, I don't think if we're we're just sort of looking a bit a bit zoomed in at technology. I don't I don't think there were um, sort of loads of uh, options for technology professionals, and I I certainly. Um, was freelancing at the time and, you know, was going further afield to places like Leeds and Manchester. Mm. Um, and then there are a few things that happened at the same time. You know, I think the uh, Skybet for Sheffield was was a thing that helped grow uh, the amount of work available. Um, but then also like, like what I've done and, uh, you know, friends who probably most of all worked at Technophobia back in the day, th- there's also been a lot of really great independent little startups happen as well that are now starting to really stretch mm. their legs and grow a little bit. Um, it was a real uh, challenge, but a real enjoyable thing setting up the digital hub for the home office. As I mentioned, it, it, it was initially quite contract heavy, but we really redressed that balance of bringing a lot of permanent digital jobs into the city and, and really upskilling people who were maybe subject matter experts in in a profession like you know, um, like immigration, but hadn't got the digital skills, and, and that was a real enjoyable and positive thing just to see people grow and and pass that on because people say it a lot, don't they? Again, like sustainable capability, but we're you know what we're talking about there is working with somebody, shadowing, you know, um, showing them how to do stuff, then pushing them up out from you know mm. a bit of course correction. Um, probably been out of the comfort zone a little bit, but ultimately for a very valuable thing. Um, so home, home Office Digital was a big thing, I think, as well. I think um, the Agile Sheffield thing that Rich Joseph and I started, um, geez, quite a while ago now as well, I think which started as about maybe eight or ten of us in a in a pub and, and quickly grew to, you know, we started thinking about how do we surface the demand. That was just more to give back on introducing a lot of these ways of working around uh, agile delivery and culture change, you know, to people who were um, a bit intrigued, you know, had, had heard some stuff but didn't really know much about it. And it was also a, a safe space, you know, that, that people could come along and learn things and, you know, no no question was a silly question type thing. So that, that was quite positive, I think, for the community as well and really enjoyed that. Um, I know you've had the the guys in. I've passed the the baton of that a bit now. Just mm-hmm. realised my own sort of capacity bottlenecks. Um, it must be gratifying to see it continue so strongly. Like yeah, it's it's doing brilliant. And and I think you know you've got you've got to uh, even though I love it and I I thought it was quite a thing that had gone well. You know you've got to be quite humble. And I think looking at it now, you know the, the people like Tom and Katie coming along with it have given it a real fresh lease of life and and an energy. You know that that we probably started it with initially. Mm-hmm. Um, and what do you think about the scene here in Sheffield generally? Yeah, so I think I think it's interesting because I'm uh, I'm starting to see more uh, well observing a little bit and, and learning more with interacting with people like yourselves but that you know that 
there's some new things coming to the city, aren't there, as well? Like, you know, just from nowhere, McLaren are, you know, on the technology parts, on the, is, is it the edge of the city or a bit more towards sort of Rotherham? There's yeah, stuff with like Bowen as well. I yeah, think. out on the parkway on the way to Rotherham. Yeah, so I mean, I, th- I think that's a that's a positive sign, isn't it? And I think it's showing probably, as I say, whilst we've done quite a bit of work in Leeds, I feel quite passionate about Sheffield, you know, because I've, whilst I've travelled with work and lived in India for a little bit, I've, you know, been based here my whole life. So it's really great to see, you know, them choosing this sort of region rather than maybe a, a Leeds or a Manchester but those those bigger cities like that that are still probably classed as broadly in our region are being sort of flooded and absolutely saturated with um, with like-minded companies that maybe want somewhere that's still a big city even though I still consider the centre of Sheffield to be like a village um, but that has got that population and that talent pool um, so it's, it's great because it's meaning that people don't have to go elsewhere to cities that in theory are only, you know, hundred, couple of hundred thousand bigger populations and Sheffield's getting a bit more acknowledgement. So really pleased to to see what's happening there. I think there's there's so much independent stuff seems to be popping up as well. There's there's a lot more it's great to see the Sheffield women in tech thing set up. That's that's really interesting because I think a lot of people talk about it and you see stuff on Twitter, but it's great to see something in the city where there's actually, let's move it forward now, let's sort of, you know, make people more aware, which which happens in person, but also get a bit of a movement going. I think there's a lot more, because I I think a couple, two, three years ago, I'd see a lot of like co-working spaces more in Leeds and Manchester that were quite funky and easy to just rock up and work as a freelancer. And I think you're starting to see a little bit more of that in Sheffield as well now. So, yeah, I think it's uh, it's all on the up, isn't it? We're gradually catching up, yeah, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> indeed, yeah. No, I'm really proud. I think, um, before I forget as well, you know, it was a, a big thing for me being independent was to see what the council are now doing with that, Sheffield City Council, with that model of um, almost, dare I say, looking to favour independents who can do, you know, bespoke pieces of work rather than massive contracts. That's that can only be a, a positive for the city as well and for value. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, f- uh, finally, what's what's next for Nimble Approach? Yeah, so um, it's been a crazy eight, um, sort of six to eight months. Because well, I think well, you, you've been, you just moved into your new office like three months ago? Yeah, well, not even that. So I think mid-May. So I think right. eight months ago, there were 10 of us and we've there's now, um, as of yesterday, 40. Um, so it, it has gone really quick. I think... Um, we we want to do more um, in the city because I think we've done a lot of work in Leeds and we've now had the chance to open an office in Sheffield, which was like my aspiration from day one. Um, so growing that office space um, and with valuable stuff, hopefully working more with some local independent businesses similar to ourselves. I think the, the projects can be very interesting because they're, they're smaller and you're not far away from the instant value that it adds, which you, you sometimes don't always get with a a bigger, you know, national, multinational company. Is that 40 staff permanent or is that including the contracts? And- no, no, no. Um, so it's it's a mix. So we're still we're still pretty low on the permanent side, but the contract contract was, yeah, we yeah, there's there's quite a few more contractors. Great. 
Sounds good. Nice one. Yeah. Well, well done. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks very much. Yeah. Long may it continue. Yeah. Still trying to constantly reflect on it. And <laughs> yeah, don't spend too, too much time reflecting. Just no, well, keep, I don't. Just keep yeah. looking ahead, eh? But uh, one of our mutual friends told me I must embrace success because I don't do that enough. I yeah. just sort of mutter it to myself under my breath and then say what's next. Yeah. <laughs> nice one. It's great to see you, Chris. Yeah, you too. Thanks for having me. Thanks very much. Right, on to... News and events, things that are happening, things that have happened in Sheffield. We start with um, last week's annual member meetup, annual general meetup. <laughs> Whatever the hell it was called, yeah. Yeah, that thing. I, so it's a whole week ago now. I, I loved Is it. That all? I loved it when Mel, when you flew down the wing, put it in across the box, and <laughs> Chris, Chris headed it. If only she has, yeah. Nodded in at the far post. Oh my God, did I? That was such a a rookie, rookie event management mistake was not when when we were all we were all well when we were all sat around the board table going yeah we're going to have this annual annual general meetup and oh we should have it before the kids break up from school and when will be a good night oh yeah and we'll have it on this day and nobody it wasn't just me but of all the people sat around that table nobody said should we check when the world cup fixtures are well it's the last week of the world cup so anyone who's watched england for the last 30 years you know wasn't going to say let's just keep that one free just in case yeah. that's the day of the semi-final just in case England get to the semi-final so, so. Gareth Southgate if you're out there <laughs> you owe me <laughs> I th- anyway I thought it was great to have yeah, a football there it was like yeah. it, it would change the nature of the event but I think it was like it was a really good fun thing I, you know we're gonna have to figure something out to go to show next year I mean <laughs> what's the entertainment gonna be <laughs> We could just watch a film. <laughs> yeah, it needs to be something that goes to extra time. Yeah. Oh. Um, how, how did you feel it went then, you two? From, from, as I, I was sort of half watching the door for people coming in, but I thought that the first part, which was you two did presentations, I thought that you, uh, well done. thought it went really well. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And, um, That's before the football started. Before yeah. the football started. Yeah. And um, yeah, it all seemed to, yeah, people seemed engaged and everything, but how did it, how did it feel to you? So I think that... Um, Okay, we didn't get the turnout that we were yeah, expecting. Yeah, we knew you weren't. We weren't, and that's fine. But we did. The people who showed up were really positive about being there. They hadn't just shown up because they could watch the football on a big screen. Yeah, and the vibe in the room was great. The feedback we got from people, the um, the input we got on the the things that we were asking for was really good. And there's just a really annoying alarm noise going yeah, off outside, is going which on? is completely putting me off my stride. It was a fun evening. I enjoyed myself. Well, I mean, you can look at it the other way, right? I mean, despite the fact the football was on, we still got like 40 something people to turn up to listen to us rabbit on about the tech community. And, <laughs> Must and, be doing something right, right well, then. <laughs> you know, the, the, the people that came really support us. Yes. So, you know, they... Um, they had really good things to say. They were really engaged in what we're doing. Um, we got loads of great feedback from the things we asked them to engage with. Mm. Um, and it was an opportunity for us um, to to explain to people what's going on, what we've been doing, what we plan to do, um, and to video it and to get that out to a wider audience anyway. Yeah. Um, so the purpose of the evening wasn't was by no means just the evening. Um, it was it was you know getting the message out. subsequently which you know we're in the process of doing absolutely so the the presentation that chris and i gave has been videoed and uh is being edited as we speak so that we'll be able to make that available for everybody Mm -hmm. to see um 
after, in between that and football and eating and drinking, we also asked people to give us feedback in two ways. So we mm -hmm. had little questionnaires for people to fill in that just had questions about why did you join Sheffield Digital? What's the best thing do you, that you get out of it? And what would you like us to do next? And we got some really, really interesting feedback on that. And then we had some posters up around the wall, which had... Um, kind of our draft manifesto. So what's, what does Sheffield Digital exist for? Mm. What kind of things are we doing? Are uh, who are we engaging with? What are our values? And here are some of the things we think we could do next. Which of those do you feel would be worth doing? So the sorts of feedback that we're getting is that the things that people really value about Sheffield Digital are the... Um, the community and the, the connectivity into the community, the fact that Sheffield Digital promotes Sheffield's digital scene. And uh, interestingly, links with education were really important for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, that I was really happy to see that and, and it was more than I was expecting. In terms of why people joined, they wanted to support what we're doing, which is lovely. Thank you. We need that support. Uh, they wanted to connect with people and with events and they wanted to help build the digital scene in mm -hmm. Sheffield. And the sorts of input that we got into what we, sh not just what we should be focusing on, but how we could be doing that. There was um, a lot of upvotes for more get togethers. People really want another me meta meetup, Chris. Do they? So there's so a, do an, I. an actual view. So, um, um, so right the way through from more meetups and the meta meetup to some yeah. kind of bigger festival slash conference. And a few people pointed mm. to the example of the Leeds Digital mm. Festival, whether we could, you know, do something similar here. There was a lot of interest in attracting more businesses to Sheffield. Um, lots of interest around the tech hub thing. And I think people are waiting to see mm -hmm. how uh, Collider, uh, Collider pans out. Mm. Um, they'd, people would like to see us more doing more to raise the profile of Sheffield's digital scene outside of the city. And I think that's definitely important one. And that's quite a challenge. And in terms of how we do that and how we resource that. People were suggesting, oh, you should be going and speaking at conferences elsewhere and all that kind of thing, which we'd love to do, but that raises a real resource question for mm. us. And then also encouraging more collaboration between businesses in the city. Mm -hmm. So lots of great stuff there. And and we'll definitely, you know, the, the board, as it were, mm. are going to take those and look at how we move that forward. Um, and we got lots of nice suggestions about how we grow membership and the sorts of things that we should be doing more of to grow membership. Um, and we'll definitely be taking those on board. Mm, yeah. And uh, in addition to those two ways of um, people feeding back, um, Ian also interviewed a few. He did. Yeah. I did. And I, I heard similar sorts of things. It was very tricky to interview people whilst, <laughs> whilst football was going on. The football the was on just because the football was on, but also <laughs> just the volume of the football was on. Yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, I spoke to, uh, I can't remember, there was four or five people and all asked them all the, the same questions. So mm. I'm going to edit that into kind of a, a, a podcast special, so to speak, um, sort of 10, 15 minutes, yeah. something like that. But it was a similar sort of feedback and, and, um, the idea of, um, uh, of, of a need for an organization that is that, like Sheffield Digital. So if, it, if it, that, 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 the, 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 there was always a need for something, an organization to bring people together and to kind of do what Sheffield Digital does. And, and, but there's always an eye on, the way I sort of read that was, if, you weren't, if we weren't here, what would, what would we all be doing? There'd be, there'd be no central point. So that idea of, an, of, a, of 
an anchor, mm. something like that. Is mm-hmm. it? That's a right magnet. Nice I don't know. Magnet, an anchor, or this kind of a, a central point where people know that oh, this is, you know, this is a, a way and an organisation to to bring people together, mm. and that's an important thing. Mm-hmm. That was kind of the the message that I I got, and, and lots of nice feedback about, um, I don't know, just like the, the podcast and and uh, and the, having Slack and things like that. The more everyday kind of things that yeah. people can yeah. can tune in. Yeah, the people that are really what we tried really hard to build that people are starting to think take for granted and it's just part of the fabric. Um, but I think that's, that's something that I would, that struck me that I, I would want to get out to people is that, you know, you can use our platform, you know, you, you, you can use, you can, we, you know, we want people to do guest posts. We want people mm-hmm. to say, can I come on your podcast? We want, we want people to use us as a media platform to, to reach more people and to get, to get the message out. Yeah, and to absolutely. Create media around them. So um, so it's not just a, okay, here's a bunch of feedback for us to then go and implement. Um, but you know, also we, 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 it's a call out to people to come and use us to do things. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Anything else we want to say about it? From maybe thank you for everyone, to everyone that came. Definitely. That thank kind you. of thing. Yeah. Big thank you. And big thank you to, uh, the companies and organizations that put yeah. their hands in their pockets to help pay for the food and drink. Absolutely, that was yeah. much appreciated yeah, as well. Yeah. shoe for the venue, which and was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We really enjoyed there the was venue. Some screen to watch the football on. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, next, uh, we have written down in this document, Collider Food Feast. I think I might have written that. Um, I, I I know it's a it's perhaps a small thing, but I thought it was quite an. I think it's, it's quite a, a good. Thing. I think it's huge. Okay, yeah. okay. I, I thought mean, it was a big thing. No, no, as well. it is. <laughs> well, I mean, I, people people that know me for a while know that I keep banging on about how food is like at the heart of any good tech hub. Chris loves his food. Well, yeah, we I all mean, love our food. Yeah, we, you know, and our coffee. Like, you, if you build an incubate, in, you know, a place for small companies and startups and and communities to form, and you don't put food and, you know conviviality at the center of it then you're basically missing the whole point um so and I, you know I, I knew um that the collider guys wanted to have a food court and wanted to have you know food in there we you know we've spoken to them about this 18 months ago at least um but we didn't know what shape it would take um we kind of had confidence that it would be someone local rather than a big high street brand but you know you never know like when the deals start coming in and and stuff but um yeah, I mean, the, uh, John John Perry at Tampa is the obvious one, and you know he's he's jumped. And I spoke to him last Friday after Geek Breakfast um, to see what he felt about it, and he's he's chuffed a bit. He's really excited. He's really excited. It's such a huge space. It's you know, it's, I think eighteen thousand square feet or something. He's got. And he's and he's putting a dep- the depot bakery. Is, he's he's putting the bakery in there, and he's putting their coffee roastery in there, and it's all going to be on display, like oh. out in the open. All the food preparation is going to be out in the open, um, and the cafe, and then Peddler's Market are going to be using it to to, to sell um, food and products and things. Yeah. Um, and it's a, it's going to be a destination. So it's you know he's opening at eight thirty. He's closing at eleven o'clock every every night. Um, and uh, he want the, the he wants to put in an events program. He wants the space to be used for events after hours. It's going to be staffed, um, and then and then he said um, he wants to he wants to bring in um, guest chefs, so like like up and coming or highly rated chefs that use local produce to create menus on a th- like a three month rotating basis to come and bas- you know do a pop up. So would that be chefing. like in the evenings? Type For thing? evenings, yeah. Oh, amazing. 
Sounds tasty. I know. Yes. Does, has <laughs> anyone got any firm dates on when this is going to happen? Well, I did. I asked him that as well, and uh, and he was. Um, I mean, I think I think they're looking at November. Um, I mean, it's all before the end of this year. It's supposed to be for in. sure. I mean, that's well. That's that's the aim anyway. That's, that's the aim, or possibly even before then. I think he wants to start operating from like end of September or something. So but, Sheffield Digital Christmas Party I mean, well, in the new space at Collider. Anybody? Yeah. I mean, I, he had that look in his eye that, you know, <laughs> bloody hell, that's a type time scale. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. Oh. Um, but I mean, yeah, the the uh, National Video Arcade and BGI is supposed to be in by the end of the year as well. Yeah. I mean, this is, it's moving Could a pace. finally be happening, folks. Could, yeah. I, wow. I, I saw, um, I saw Nick this morning, actually, after Geek Breakfast. Um, Has he gone grey yet? <laughs> he dies his hair, doesn't he? <laughs> Sorry, Nick. <laughs> um, but no, he's, they seem pretty, pretty calm about it all. Yeah. Awesome. Fantastic. So next we have um, some apprenticeships or some apprentices who are looking for employers. Uh, so the, the, we, this is a topic we've kind of tracked on the podcast. Yes, uh, it's, it's another one of the things that I bang on about, isn't it? Um, I mean, I phrased it differently. But yeah. <laughs> no, this is great. So as regular listeners will know, um, Sheffield College uh, was has worked with us here at Sheffield Digital and, and with employers to create their software developer apprenticeship. They started the recruitment process in July. They ran a two-week boot camp to get the candidates who were selected all up to the same point. And they've now got seven excellent candidates who are looking for roles so that they can start their apprenticeships in September. Um, So I really encourage anybody who's thinking about growing their software development talent to have a look at this and look at the opportunities Um, if you're a small business with payroll under 3 million, then the apprenticeship is at least 90%, if not 100% funded. Uh, If you're a larger organisation, so your payroll is over 3 million, then you're already paying into the apprenticeship levy. So this is a way for you to reclaim that money that the government is taking away from you. Mm -hmm. So um, if you want to know more, if you want information about it, if you want to be put in touch with the college, let me know. I can make that happen for you. And how did the uh, the boot camp go? Because this was a this was a, a program helped uh, that was put together with help from uh, employers from Sheffield. Uh, is it? Are we are we going agile with this? Are we going to tweak it for next time? Is it or is did it all run exactly as planned? Um, I don't know for sure. Um, I doubt anything ever runs exactly as planned. I think it was a really good experience for the college to go through um, to co-create the structure and content of the boot camp with employers. Um, I think they were a little disappointed in the amount of employer engagement in the boot camp. Um, they, they did a showcase at the end of the two weeks, and I don't think very many employers showed up to that. That may have been the timing and not being given a lot of notice, but I think there's communication that needs to be improved on both sides in terms of that. Um, the content of the boot camp and, and the work that the candidates did, I think, went really well because the end result was achieved of really um, identifying who had the potential, getting them all up to the same point so that they could all start their apprenticeship in September from a level playing field. Mm. Um, And as well, I mean, part of the the objective was to give 
people who were interested in doing the apprenticeship the chance to find out whether it was for them. So I think there were probably a few people who didn't go through with it, but that's a good thing. You know, you, mm-hmm. you, yeah. you know, that going through that process out. and experience and, and, really. you know, finding the people this is right for the people it isn't is also a good thing to do. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I'm hoping to reconnect with the college and find out more about how things are going probably in September time. How do you feel about the commitment? Is, are they committed to it for next year as well? Because it's going to take time to build up that employer trust yeah. and, and engagement. So that and you don't get it first time often. Yeah. I think the college understand that these things always build from a very small base, yeah. but they are, the, you know, they are a business and they do have to make sure things are financially viable. So that's one of the reasons why I really want to make sure that all seven of these candidates get roles, yeah. because that will help give the college confidence to run another cohort. Um, I don't know if they'll wait until next September to run another intake. I'm hoping they'll do one for the new year as well. Mm-hmm. Right. So, because yeah, okay. that's the so, thing about apprenticeships is they don't have to run on an annual no, basis. That's right. So they can re- they can iterate yeah. a bit quicker than yeah. waiting a whole calendar year. So again, if if you're remotely interested in this, let me know so that I can get you on the college's radar so that they can see that industry do want this to happen. It's really important. Uh, can we get the candidates up on our website so people can see the candidates that are available to offer positions to? I Is don't know. I don't know if there are any um, data protection, data protection or, or privacy issues around that, but I can certainly find out. But, you know, don't don't wait for us to do that. No. You know, get in touch and, and we can get you those CVs. Fantastic. Um, Chris, interns. Uh, yeah, I'm... Just, I was, uh, I spoke to um, Rob Walker last week very briefly, um, who told me that they have a number of young people who are looking for internships, potentially with technology companies, um, um, who are um, uh, on the autistic spectrum, for want of a better word. Um, You know, high functioning, um, but, you know, would be suited for kind of... um, you know, more rote type work or data work. Um, and he's going to get me some details about that and I'll try and get that out as well. But Excellent. there's there's a an opportunity there for companies yeah. to, to bring some kids on over the over the summer as well. Yeah. There's this just highlights how much there's a need for some sort of coordination of all these requests and, and the links between the educators, yeah. the young people and the businesses. If you're out there Sheffield City region, and you're listening, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's something you could fund. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, just a, a work experience database for for tech work would, would be, would make a big difference. Well, not just a database, but but a, a, oh, yeah. a service, yes. you know, matchmaking yeah. and coordination and, and all of that stuff. There was a meeting for the people domain of .chef. There was. Um, how did it go? Yeah, it was, it was really good. It was, a, it was a, um, in the hubs um, and oh, there must have been about 40 people there. Um, so the people.domain is... How, how does that come... Well, I'll let you explain, but how, how does that compare to the other domains so far? That sounds like a lot. Uh, yeah, so uh, so they're, they're, they're all different, right? Um, so n- none, of it is, none of it is really sort of top-down stipulated. It's just, it's just a, a, a means of getting... Um, 
you know, communities of people who are involved in digital development in different domains of the city to engage with each other and give them a platform to share what they're doing. Um, and so um, the economy.chef domain has, has been established for uh, about six months. Um, and, um, and that really just, it meets. So there's maybe up to about 20 people um, who meet every couple of months or so um, to talk about um, the tech economy and to share information and to, um, and to kind of suggest and, and try and um, get off the ground initiatives to make a difference. And, and we're obviously part of that, but it, it's much more um, sitting around a table, um, uh, almost like a board meeting kind of environment, uh, much more businessy. Um, whereas the people.domain, uh, the people.chef uh, domain is about um, health and well-being, um, digital inclusion, um, and benefits and welfare. And is really about connecting um, people in the digital community with people in the voluntary and um, and health sectors, um, and the approach is different. Uh, it's being co-chaired by um, Ross Davis and um, Greg Fell, and the approach uh, is is much more workshoppy, much more collaborative. Um, much more about, you know, getting more people to engage with each other. Um, so I think each of these domains um, is going to sort of find their way of working, if you like, um, and the, you know, the right people coming together in, in a way that kind of befits what they're trying, what they're trying to do. Um, what, what are they trying to do? What is the aim of, um, well, this domain in particular, it's probably worth reminding people what what dot chef is well not just what well, not not necessarily what dot chef is but just um what's the point of the domains and having these having the separate kind of separating people out into these kind of either topics or specialties um it's i mean if, if people were all working together in a community um this would be separating them out but i think that the issue is that they're not working together in a community that people can't ha don't have a good way of seeing what's going on in another area um so that's what it's really trying to address. It's, 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 it's trying to provide a framework um, whereby people can um, meet and share information, um, basically about digitization of, of these services. Um, so, so one of the things that I thought was really interesting last week in, in the, the people.chef was um, that the, the, um, the group that were looking at benefits and welfare were looking at um, universal credit. Right, so universal credit is coming in in Sheffield in September or October. Um, it's fairly imminent. It's been introduced in other places, including Barnsley. Um, but one of the one of the um, one of the points of it, or one of the um, requirements of it, is that it's serviced online, right, and that people. Um, people who are claiming benefits are going to have a single ID, and they're going to be able to be managing their their benefits awards and documentation, everything online. Um, so, so how does that relate to digital inclusion, right? And so, 
So currently you've got people working on digital inclusion over in, in one space and you've got people working in the benefit system over in another space and people working in health and well-being in another space and they never talk to each other. And then and then vertically you've also got um you know people involved in the in the voluntary sector um who are who are trying to provide services to 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 the, to those people um and people who work in the tech sector who are, who never talk to each other. Um so it was really interesting hearing people in this in this forum talking about how they were really surprised that it wasn't the usual people that they were used to talking to the, the stuff about and to have to have groups of people working on a problem like you know very specific problems so you know universal credit is coming in um one of the things is um in order to to log into their account if they forget their details they need to provide and and remember a 16 digit ID number um which uh is hard enough um but it virtually impossible if you've got alzheimer's virtually impossible if you're illiterate um and so and so what happens with those people where where are they going to be shunted to you know and there was someone from citizens advice there and there was someone from um uh from the the council's um benefit service there um and other people who are involved in uh, and someone from the job centers the job centers play a big role in in this as well um but for them to have this conversation about how are we going to do this and 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 how are we going to kind of compensate for these capabilities with people who who are involved in uh, digital inclusion and in kind of technology um change the conversation quite a lot right um so the council doesn't know for example um should they be advising um people to use public wifi to transact their their benefits online or is it not secure enough right i mean basically if you if if you can if you're sharing this over an open network and people can can steal your login information they can wreak havoc they mm-hmm. could redirect your benefits i mean there's all sorts of issues that could could occur but that they they can't they don't know quite who to ask and what to ask to figure out whether or not it's safe and so what their advice should be um so so yeah this is this is much more than a talking shop this is this is about solving very specific problems within the, these areas that require the involvement of multiple agencies and people who understand something about the technology that is basically permeating all of these services and interactions that uh just don't have a, an ability to avail themselves of the expertise normally um and you know i think as a result of this there will be there will be new um projects and new initiatives and you know stuff that can be funded through through these vehicles as well so um it was it got off to a really good start i thought um it was really it was the first one um it, i really appreciated their the approach that, that they took and they and you know the guys at um good things foundation um did a, a lot of the kind of workshop facilitation around it um but i think i was especially impressed with the way that it was able to focus right down on a specific problem you know not just a generalized problem not a high level problem you know but a absolutely on the ground coal face this you know here's a problem it might only affect 50 people right um you know they they had someone come into the job center to try and transact in Barnsley who had no fingers couldn't use their phone to to transact like how you know how does that work 
Um, so one of the things that we said was, can we get someone from um, the, from GDS, from the Government Digital Services um, Accessibility Program, can we get the, their accessibility lead to come to Sheffield to talk about, um, you know, what what their thinking is around, um, you know, digital transactions, you know, accessible digital transactions with with very with all the very specific subgroups of people with specific needs. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I think I think it was it was great, and, and you know we want I'd I'd love to see it build out into the other domains and for them to get down to the nitty gritty like that as well. Yeah, and have we heard any more from the council about doing another conference? Uh, on, only that you know they want it to happen. Okay, um, that's good. Yes. Uh, so yeah, we need to we need to pick those conversations up because you're you're right. We need to get things in motion. Mm. Right, upcoming events in Sheffield that are digital related. Um, on the 25th of July, we have UX Sheffield. On the 26th, we have uh, the latest Leg Up Social, and we also have Front End Sheffield, bit of a clash. Um, and then on the 27th, uh, I think this is an, an all day thing. We wrote a blog post about this on the website. It's the, uh, it's the Megaverse XR Theatre Lab, and they will be showcasing. They're gonna be there at Hallam all week. But on the 27th is when anyone can go to have a look at their uh, 3D scanning rig. It sounded very technical. Chris, do you know more, more about how it works? Or? Yeah. So, so this is this is like the 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 birth of a whole new genre of media and broadcast, um, as far as I'm concerned. But basically, it's 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 um, live broadcasting um, performance from a from a performance space. That uses volumetric scanning to record a performance, you know, from multiple angles, um, and then transmit that live um, either to VR goggles or to AR devices. So, so you can look through your phone or your or your iPad uh, and watch a band playing in your living room or on your coffee table that is performing live in a studio somewhere else in the world. Um, that's that's essentially it. It's a, it's a new way of consuming or or feeling part of um, a performance. Um, and uh, the guys at Megaverse, um, which is a local startup, um, Ben Carlin and John, whose surname I can't remember, have set it up. Um, and they're basically trialing that technology, like seeing what you can do with the state of the art as it is now, and how they can improve it, and what kinds of performance you can do, and you know how how it all works so i think it's i think it's pretty exciting actually that sounds great mm. and you can check it out on the 27th yeah. as i've already said uh, the 31st of july we have uh, python sheffield a regular meetup and uh, the 2nd of august i cannot believe it's august uh, sheffield test gathering and then on the 3rd it's the scrum master clinic on the 7th it is .net chef 14th wordpress sheffield uh, Mel, the next uh, Sheffield Women in Tech thing, as you've written here, is the, the next thing is hopefully the 15th. Yeah, so um, we we have a venue. So uh, Collider in their K1 space um, at Barker's Pool are going to let us use that space again. Um, it's just working out what we're going to do. Okay. I, I will keep everyone posted. Um, on the 18th and 19th of August, it is OG Camp, OG, O-G-G. Uh, I have to ask, what's Ogcamp? Is that Ogcamp? Uh, That's a sound file format, isn't it? 
Uh, it is. Um, what does OGCAMP stand for? It's, it's basically open source community. Okay. Um, so, so yeah, it's like a proper techie bar camp. Um, so yeah, lots of people who work in in software and the open source movement and things, open data, I guess, are going to be coming to Sheffield for two days to have a conference. Woohoo! Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, the 30th of August is Front End Sheffield, and every Friday from 9am is Geek Recce. At Tampa Sheffield, not Tampa Sheffield, Tampa Sellers Wheel, which is in Sheffield. I've said, I've said Sheffield too much in the last five minutes. Um, and uh, and that's about it for events. Uh, just a chance to say a big thank you to our new members. We have uh, company members, Tell You, Milk Lab Media, and Three Squared. Huge thank you to those people and companies for becoming members and then individuals. Uh, if I scroll all the way down, we have um, uh, Alexandra Scrivener, uh, Bei Chen, Kerry Bachelder. Is that right? I can't. Not Kerry Bachelder. I haven't actually got my glasses on, which is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and Laura Kishimoto. My, I, 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 and I know her name as well, but I haven't got my glasses on. My two year old snapped them in the, the, oh, the no. arm in half. <laughs> Couldn't be mad at her, <laughs> even though she ruined a lot of, lot in one failed sweep. Uh, sweep. Um, and Laura Kishimoto, which you've just said. Yeah. Um, yeah, thanks a lot, guys. Yeah. Yes, big thanks. Big, big thanks. And finally, to subscribe to the show, you can do so in Apple Podcasts or any app that uh, that gives people podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Casts, there are many more. Um, and you can find out more at sheffield.digital slash podcast and show notes. So we always include all of the links to all of the stuff that we've talked about um, in, in the blog post that goes with the show on um, on our website. And I think that's it. Sounds like a show. <laughs> that's a wrap. Farewell. Bye. <laughs>